right. I am very excited today to be here with Kaleo Ruggera Orban. How are you doing, Kaleo? I'm good, Dr. Greenwood. How are you? I am wonderful. You know, once you guys gra- once you graduate, you don't have to call me Dr. Greenwood anymore. <laughs> um, but I know how hard that okay. is. I had the hardest time with my professors. They're like, call me Michael or call me. And I'm like, oh, no, I feel much <laughs> I feel much more comfortable calling you doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Kaleo is a 2015 graduate of our program, and we're very excited to have her today because we have so many students um, who are interested in um, in the music industry, in, in live music, in in, um, in festivals and events and that sort of thing. And Kaleo is an event coordinator with August Hall and Shoreline Amphitheater, um, and uh, more specifically with Live Nation Entertainment, um, uh, a, a big one that that a lot of students um, aspire to. And so we're gonna we're gonna talk all about her path in, in getting to Live Nation and and, and talk about um, you know the struggles. Um, that we, m- we might be having ahead of us, obviously, with the global pandemic and live events and gatherings and, and that sort of thing. But I want to back up a little bit um, for, uh, before, we, uh, before we get there. Kaleo, tell us where you're from. Um, I am born and raised in San Diego, California. Right on. You tell me, you tell me you've been sheltering in place with your, with your folks there for the last, uh, five weeks or so. And, um, I can think of worse places in the world to be than San Diego. What a great place. Yeah. What a great place to grow up. Tell me about growing up there. What, what, what were you into? Were you, um, were you a, um, were you a beach kid? Were you a sports kid? Were you a drama and arts? What, what were you yeah, into? Yeah, I was kind of all, um, I danced for a while. I did theater for a while. Um, and then I did swim team. It's hard to stay out of the water in San Diego. So I was going to say, I bet, beach right? Beach was a normal situation. Um, yeah, I kind of just dabbled in everything, really. Right on. What did your What did your parents do when you were growing up? Um, My dad is a general contractor. He owns his own uh, contracting company, and then my mom is um, or was a vice president of compliance for a hospital division. Oh, okay. Right on. Awesome. Well, a couple of busy parents growing up, so they were probably shuttling you off to lots of different places, swimming and the beach and all kinds of stuff. Right on. They were very happy when I got my license. (laughs) I bet. I bet. You know, know, my uh, my very first trip to California, I went to San San Diego and um, I learned that lesson um, that uh, it's about 20 to 30 degrees cooler in the shade than it is in the sun. You know, yes. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I, yes. I went for like a mile walk um, uh, from the resort where I was staying and I I froze and was burning up like simultaneously, you know, like yes. 10 different times <laughs> on the walk. And I was like, what is going yes. on? You know? Yeah, it's a lot of jacket on, jacket off. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. I'm still learning that lesson. I feel like 14 <laughs> years later in, here in yeah. California. <laughs> But um, so uh, so tell tell you know kids growing up, we we have this vision of um what we want to be. Did you have a did you have an ideal job or did you have something that you really thought you wanted to be when you were growing up? I kind of went all around. Mm-hmm. I like you know did the like oh I'm gonna be an actress, and then oh. I heard something about people going into Starbucks and like you can't even get a cup of coffee without people bothering you, and I was like that is. <laughs> 
I get coffee daily. Like I can't be. It's <laughs> uh, hilarious. And, I love uh, that. Like, You're like, ah, oh, no, I'm just going to put the stardom on the side because I yeah, really yeah. like my Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sacrifices. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, you know, that's that's great. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I, so. uh, after that, I kind of, um, I never really had like a set thing of what I was going to do. I kind of just wanted to do something. It was more important for me to get up and like want to go to work than mm-hmm. like pick a career when I was little. Right, that passion. I know face painter was thrown around at some point, my mom said. Oh, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. What's that? Um, Oh, geez. Now I'm I'm showing my lack of, uh, I'm showing my lack of pop culture because um, I can't even like rattle off the the rapper with all the, um, with all the tattoos on his face. Lil Uh, Wayne. Huh? Post Malone. Yeah, yeah, Post Malone, Lil Wayne, yeah, all those, all those guys, yeah. So you, you could have been their face painters, right? Yeah, that would <laughs> <be cool. laughs> I love it. I love it. So tell us, uh, tell us how you heard about Cal Poly. Do you have a connection with Cal Poly, um, or, uh, or tell us that story? Yeah, actually, um, my two of my friends growing up are twins, and their mom went to Cal Poly, oh, cool. and she is from Kalinga, so they were kind of close by, um, and she actually kept her Cal Poly house in Morro Bay, so it just became, we would just go up, we have like pictures of us as little kids all in Cal Poly gear, um, and then I just, it came time to apply and my mom I still remember going to Cal Poly to like actually look at it as a place to go instead of just like a weekend trip to slow Um, and it was just it was so cool you know I mean the campus is beautiful Um, and I remember I remember learning that they had a bowling alley which for some reason I thought was just wicked (laughs) uh, yeah and yeah I just picked it to apply right Uh, on Right on. Yeah. Did you did you actually bowl when you got here? I did take bowling. Okay, good. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was going to say, bowling. if you thought it was wicked and then you never actually went bowling, I was going to say, what's going on there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did take it. Yeah, it was- that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Well, yeah. well, so um, what about, um, you know, with um, having a, a mom who's a corporate executive and dad is a contractor, what about our major? Were, were you... Um, how did you find out about the major? Were your parents supportive of this choice of major? That yes, sort of thing. Actually, uh, I, did, I was like, I don't know if I should tell this story, but I mean, it's the truth. So okay. um, I started out in nutrition oh, right. um, and I chemistry was not working for me, unfortunately. Um, and I was, I, the more I thought about it, the more I didn't really want to sit and like listen to what people were eating all day and it just wasn't appealing as much as it had. Um, and my parents actually came up for the weekend. We took the Cal Poly course manual and we went through and looked at every major that did not have chemistry. And my mom was like, you know, you were in student government in high school. You like being on your feet. You like planning events and stuff. And she's like, why don't you look into that? I Cause it. I wanted to stay at Cal Poly. I didn't want to leave. Right. Um, so I just went in and I talked to Dr. Hendricks and he kind of, we went through the whole, like what the major's about and everything. And then, um, I got accepted to switch. 
Right on. Well, I am so glad you told that story because um, we share that in common. Uh, I was pre-dent. I was pre-dental um, in college, and uh, my my high school and college girlfriend. I dated the same girl for eight, uh, for eight years. Um, she had this vision of us being dentists together because her dad mm-hmm. was an orthodontist, and um, and so I went on this ridiculous pre-dental track. And didn't like science at all, and and, um, and finally, my, my, my the the final wall that I ran into was organic chemistry. <laughs> Because oh, <laughs> I just couldn't get, I couldn't get through it. I did. Yeah, I couldn't get through it. I was like, I just don't, I don't get this. My my <laughs> mind, my mind doesn't think in this in this sort of way. And so, and so, yeah, I, I went to psychology from there. So you know, more of a people, a people major, right? Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah. So um, so I I love hearing that story. I appreciate you sharing that. Now mm-hmm. I know that once you once you got here at Cal Poly, you you were very involved, like a lot of the students who, uh, who I talk to. Um, can you tell us um, just a, a sampling of, um, of the things that you did um, to get involved and what advice you would have for either prospective students or current students um, mm-hmm. in getting involved? Um, I mean, I would definitely recommend as much involvement as you can. Um, even for creating relationships post-graduation is something that I've found really beneficial. Um, you know, once everybody disperses from slow, it's nice to have faces that you might've passed on campus or in a club or something. Um, but I think there's such an opportunity to try so many different things um, during college that you can, and there's, I don't want to say there's no commitment, but you can try a club. And if it's not working out for you, there's hundreds of other ones. Obviously, RPTA club was a great, I don't know if it's, it's called something different now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's just EIM club. Yeah. EIM club. (laughs) But yeah, same Um, thing. But I mean, it's, there's so many, it's such a network of like-minded people so close to you that um, I've learned post-graduation is not not quite how the world works. Um, (laughs) so it's cool to like, you know, have everybody that kind of thinks the same as you and like processes the same things, which is how we all end up in the same major. Um, I would definitely say, yeah, take, take advantage of being able to connect with people. Right. So is there a time, you know, when you think about your time in in San Luis Obispo, is there like a a memorable experience or something that really stands out to you as as something you you look back and you you smile on fondly? Oh, my gosh. I like the whole four years. I just slow is such a special place. And I mean, I've even been out in San Francisco and I've seen people with Cal Poly shirts and you just instantly are like, oh my gosh, you went to Poly. And then every time without doubt, everybody always goes, um, do you try to explain to people how special slow is? And you're like, I always go on a tangent. I try to get people to go down there. I think it's just, it's such a special spot. Yeah, um, it's it's yeah. it's it's kind of crazy, isn't it? I um, I, uh, I I heard a musician once. This was like probably ten years ago. I was at a I was at a um, a concert at um at Slow Brew. It was actually the old Slow Brew when it was on Garden oh, Street, yeah. mm-hmm. and um and the guy was um, uh, the guy uh, stopped after one of his songs, and he was like, you know, I've lived all my life in Santa Barbara. And he was like, I got to admit, I kind of thumbed my nose um, up at, at slow. I, I've never actually been here. 
I've lived for 45 wow. years in Santa Barbara and I've never come to slow because I was always like, whatever, what do they have that we don't, that we don't already have in Santa Barbara. And he was <laughs> like, I spent the day here and I can't believe it. I'm so mad at myself. He was like, what an amazing place you guys have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's crazy. Our little secret, like, shh, uh-huh. right? Exactly. <laughs> no, we don't, no, we don't want to say that at all. I know some people say that and I, I'm just kidding. I mean, obviously when we come out of this, um, you know, when we come out of the global pandemic, mm-hmm. getting people to come here and travel here and tourism is such a big part of, of, of what, um, you know, of the character of this place. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah we're going to, we're going to definitely be working at, at, at doing that. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about your transition into the working world. You know, I know you worked at YMCA and that was, that was your, um, that was your official internship, right? Uh, my internship was with Live Nation. Oh, it was with Live Nation. Okay. Yeah. So YMCA was, was, um, uh, was, part-time working while you're in school. Is that, was that it? Okay. Got Mm -hmm. you. Got you. I wasn't, I wasn't clear when I was looking at your, when I was looking at your resume, what was what? So tell us about that. How did you, um, how did you get the position with Live Nation? Um, And just tell us about the process. Yeah. um, Actually I got, um, I was in Dr. Hendricks. I don't remember which class it was, but um, at the end of class, he had everybody go around. It was my senior year. And, um, he had everybody go around and kind of just briefly say like what we were looking to do after graduation, what field we were going into. And I said, I wanted to go into music. Um, and he mentioned that he had a prior graduate at live nation. Um, and I went and talked to him after class. I think I made a meeting with him or something. And he introduced us via email, um, And that actually turned out to be my internship manager. Um, I applied for the internship from her, um, Taylor. She's not Taylor Beck, but she was Taylor Matthews, who is also a Cal Poly events grad. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So there was a connection there. Um, And that's how I applied for the internship was... um, Cal Poly Connections. Right on. And so the <laughs> first, um, so your first um, position was with, was with, with premium seat sales, right? So, t- Correct, so yeah. tell us, um, tell us a little bit, you know, you, um, uh, we don't talk a bit about this enough. I don't think is, is, um, y- you know, you, you transition, like you talked about that special place in slow and we're, we're living mm-hmm. in this little bubble, right. Of paradise. And, yeah. um, but, but you were working at the same time and working with mm-hmm. YMCA and doing lots of different things and staying, uh, staying involved. But, but, you know, you start that 40-hour work week, right? Um, oh, yeah. uh, so what was that like? And what was that transition like? And, and what were you doing um, in terms of premium seat sales? Um, the transition was rough. I moved up to San Francisco by myself. Um, I didn't really know a lot of people. I was living south of the city, so there wasn't really a lot of people my age. Um, I moved in with people that were like 30 and above. So they didn't really care to hang out with like a 21 year old. Um, and then the events, the concert industry is time consuming. Um, I can't, I mean, prior to this little pandemic break that we're having, I don't remember the last time I worked an eight hour day. My typical week is like 60 ish hours. Um, get up to like 80, but I, that's what I live for. I like love to be going. Um, so premium seats is, um, 
people that buy season tickets for a venue. So you manage all of their accounts, you manage their seats, and then they have access to a special spot in the venue where they get um, hors d'oeuvres, they have a private bar. Um, so oftentimes it's, you know, working, getting FaceTime with your clients um, as they're coming to every single show mm-hmm. or however they're managing their tickets as well. Right. Um, so it's a lot yeah. of building relationships, right? Is that, exactly. is that what a lot of it is? Yes. Yeah. So, so, and, and, you know, over the years you've, you've, um, you have, uh, you have marched your way up in the, um, in, um, in live nation. And, um, so sure. talk to us about, um, talk to us about what you're doing, what you're doing now in being specifically the event coordinator for, uh, for August hall and shoreline amphitheater. Yeah. Um, Shoreline, obviously, being just an iconic venue, so it's really it. cool. I love, you know, I'm an old Grateful Dead head, so uh, yeah. uh, the the old Shoreline shows were always great, and um, and, and you know, I I uh, I actually I'm a fish head too, so I saw fish okay. there at Shoreline, and um, you yeah. know, almost got arrested for drinking in the parking lot at forty That's at forty okay. years old. <laughs> uh, happens to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, what is that about Shoreline? That is the strangest rule. I know I've, I mean, I've, can't I've, drink in the parking lot. It's like, I, I you yeah. know, we, we, I, I'm sure that I'm sure the cop has heard it like a million times. So he was probably uh-huh. sick of it, but I'm like, are you serious? I'm like yeah. a live mu- music venue. You can't drink in the parking lot. Whoever heard of that? <laughs> and he was like, you keep that mouth up and you'll be, I'm like, Oh, okay. Sorry. Hold on. <laughs> uh-huh. oh, 40 yeah. years old and getting a drinking ticket. <laughs> Who would have thought, you know? <laughs> yeah. It happens a lot. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Sorry to get you off track. So no, what's yeah. it? So what tell So tell us what it's like. Um, uh, you know, your, your day to day. So you just, you just said, mm-hmm. wow, 60 and 80 hour weeks, but you love yeah. it and, you, and you're energized yeah. and going to work. What are you doing on a daily basis? Do you have a staff that you're coordinating? Like what's the, what's the biggest thing that you, what, that you do? So still um, a lot of working with, um, working very closely with your clients. So kind of how the process goes is um, we have my director oversees our entire special events department. And then we have a sales manager specific to August Hall, um, which is right in the heart of San Francisco, like two blocks over from Union Square. Um, So she prospects people once clients have booked the venue um, and signed the contract, she turns them over to me and then I do all the logistics. So I am pretty much constant communication with the clients of what kind of furniture are we bringing in? What time is your event start? Security protocols. Like pretty much we have a whole document of every detail. And of course, you know, every event you learn something that you're like, oh, I probably should have asked them about this. And now moving forward, I will put this on my checklist to start asking people. Right, um, right. So it's definitely a learning. I mean, I still learn, you know, every event we do, I still learn something uh, new. But yeah, so it's just um, making sure every detail is pretty much locked prior to the event. Um, and then I like to send out a week in advance a recap just so I'm on the same page with the clients and we have time to kind of you know, if there's any, anything that didn't match up, we can reconnect. Um, and then I get there for load in, which can be anywhere from like two to eight, 12 hours, mm-hmm. um, which is when they're just bringing all of their stuff in and setting the venue. And then we open doors. Um, I pretty much work closely with my operations manager who has to manage 
all of the security teams and everything. Um, so I work on the client side and then my ops manager will work on the venue side. So we're in constant communication. Um, and then we have like a six person team. We're, we're a small little venue at August hall. Right. Um, so we have our food and beverage manager, our bar manager, my ops manager, my general manager, and my director of ops. Um, right. And we all just, we're on radio all night. We're just circling right. around. Right on, um, getting to hear some good music. And yeah. uh, I love it. So so, so when you talk clients, mm -hmm. um, are you talking, um, you know, like if Lucinda Williams is playing mm -hmm. at August Hall, are, are you talking her, her production team? Or so, are you talking something different? Something is different. So for August Hall, I actually do corporate um, events. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're doing um, a lot of conference receptions, a lot of holiday parties, a lot of quarterly result announcements. Okay. And then at Shoreline, um, I do all of the packages that come with a tour. So any of their meet and greets, any of their acoustic sets, any like VIP package that a tour sells. Um, then oh, I, I work gotcha. directly with the artist team. So I get a little bit of both worlds. Okay. Very yeah. cool. Very yeah. cool. Well, yeah. and, and you know, um, I, I've talked about this in a sport, um, in a, in a sport management setting, right. <laughs> that, um, that you are working with a lot of clients and when you serve those clients well, and you make mm -hmm. these relationships, there's a tendency for them to try to poach you out of that position, <laughs> right? And yeah. so, um, and, and so I've said to you know I've had I've had students over the years say, well, why is so and so not working for so and so, right? And and yeah. I'm like, well, um, this person was working for so and so, and so and so came in and said, I'll give you more money, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you're doing a great job, and I want you on my team, you know. Yeah. And so uh, I imagine you probably get a little bit of that, and and um, opens a lot of potential doors for you or, or may, um, may down the, uh, down the road. So let's talk mm -hmm. about, um, Kaleo, the, um, the future. I mean, obviously, um, you know, we, we talked in advance. I, I was a little worried and, and obviously we're very worried for people throughout the experience industry, um, as being one that's particularly hard hit, you know, yeah. um, you know, and, and we talked about it a little bit too. I mean, obviously in, in the experience industry, we understand the integration with digital, right? Mm -hmm. And that integrated marketing and integrated communications and integrated, um, uh, ultimately operations. And so um, I, I found that a, a number of the people that I've talked to, um, they're just simply, they're, they're just simply looking at how to ramp that up on the digital side and, mm -hmm. um, and trying to make transitions there. Um, I was happy to hear from you that, that, um, that you guys are, um, that, that your job's secure for now and that, that you're, um, you know, looking to the future too in that way yeah. in terms of digital. So can you talk about the experience, um, uh, what your team is doing right now or has been doing and, and what you see for the future? Yeah. Um, so obviously I think our events industry is probably impacted, like you said, heavier than most, which makes it a little difficult because I don't, I don't think friends of mine that haven't been quite impacted aren't understanding like the current panic that I'm in of like our whole job, right. Is to get how many people in a room together, having mm -hmm. a good time. Exactly. It's looking right now, like it's going to be, what's the, least amount of people that we can put in a room. Um, so that's kind of the approach that we're taking right now is 
what is the least amount of people we've, we've been like literally measuring the venue for how many people can we put in a venue if we have six feet between everybody Mm -hmm. um, and how can we still make this experience enjoyable? Um, And I think the more that you, I think you have to stop with the, like, well, maybe they're going to say this and maybe they're going to mandate this because we don't know at this time. Um, So we're trying to build off of just fun things for people to do, whether it's like, Hey, you know, we have a movie screen. We could show a movie. You don't have to be sitting right next to people for a movie or different possibilities of how events can still take place. Um, Because oftentimes the events that we host are um, kind of like a fun outing for a company. Um, So kind of what fun things can you do within a venue that allows distancing to occur? Um, So I think mainly trying trying to like come back together instead of thinking like we're not going to be able to do this is like we're going to be able to do this because this is not the first time that something crazy has happened yeah that's right and we've always you know everybody always comes back together it's just um how do you do it we had a um i keep going back to we had um our ceo has been having bi-weekly calls and he tries to get some kind of artist that is with Live Nation and we had Pharrell a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and he made the point of there's been so many things in history that have happened like he took the example of prohibition people instead of you know nobody ever can have a beer again people just figure out how how instead you can get that beer not you know not the greatest example but it's still we're adaptable right so it's just figuring out how we're going to have a room of 50 people and people are still gonna have a great time. Um, it's just, it's an interesting time, but, um, I don't, I mean, I think the practices that are going to be put into play are going to be beneficial probably. Cause I mean, everybody could use a good hand wash, you know? So right, right, if, right. if yeah. things are going to get more sanitary then that's what we're going to have to play with. But I think it's more not seeing things as an obstacle right now and seeing things as like a math equation, how you just like hop around it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I, if I have learned anything in my, um, in my almost 20 years in in this, um, in this industry is that uh, the people in this industry are what make this industry great and and are, um, and are going to be instrumental in helping us to overcome. And, and, you know, Mm -hmm. when you look at, when you look at the disruptions of the past, um, I've heard a number of people say this and and I I do believe it's true is, is that um, we're leaders and we're, we're ones that will bounce back because people, um, people crave that, you know, I mean, when you think about the travel industry, you think about tourism and people saying, well, people aren't going to travel anymore. No, no, people, people will travel and people are going to crave traveling even more coming out of this. And people are going to crave being together with people even more after this. So, yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's, uh, I think what you said is, is absolutely true. I mean, um, we, we just got to have to figure out how to do it. You know, I have a student. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't, don't, I'm not concerned about people having like, people's desires, especially because everybody's been locked in their house. I mean, the amount of people that I've heard that's like, if you give me a mask, I will stand at any concert that you want to put me in. Like people are ready to get out. I think it's just once we figure out the practices, um, the logistics, yeah. Good to go again. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, I appreciate your perspective on that. So, you know, um, with any disruption, I mean, it's, it is, it, it, it will increase other opportunities, right? And so that, mm -hmm. that digital, um, that digital space and that virtual space, you know, yes. uh, we, we talked about beforehand, I've just been yes. one of the ways that, that I've stayed sane is all the like incredible music that mm -hmm. has been coming at me. And, um, you yeah. know, um, in some sense it's been very sad, you know, um, with Bill Withers passing and then, and mm -hmm. then John Prine. And, um, and so there's been some sadness related to that too, but mm -hmm. just seeing musicians like rallying, um, and, and putting out, um, content, I, I, I think that, that, that it's going to create, um, uh, more of a robust, um, digital space. Yeah, what do you think about absolutely. that? Absolutely. Um, from at least from what we've heard from some of the artists is um, this is a nice, I mean, I don't want to say nice downtime, but they are having a lot of time to focus on like their whatever vibe they're trying to get with their sound and they're having time to like really put a lot of quality time into their songs versus trying to, you know, bang out a couple to get this next record out. Um, and I've heard a lot of this is a weird time, which is providing a lot of new like material roots for them to kind of explore. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's, it's beneficial. It's giving people a lot of different stuff that maybe hasn't been written about or um, hasn't been explored in the past. Right. Um, so I think all around it's, it's giving people some time to, right. you know, reflect, right. figure out maybe, maybe come out with a totally new sound. I mean, right. <laughs> right. what about um, from a live nation perspective? I mean, do you foresee, um, do you foresee this being, um, an explosion in more of digital, more digital events, like ramping up the digital virtual space, you know, to yeah. where, to where we have a, a million person concert on online or, or whatever, you know, I, um, in the early days of the pandemic, there were like, DJs that were, uh, I think that like set a record for a number of people that were like on live, uh, Instagram feeds, yeah. right? I didn't, yeah. I didn't join any of them. Um, but, uh, <laughs> cause I'm old, cause I'm old and not hip, but, uh, uh <laughs> no. but, uh, what do you, what do you think, um, in looking forward, uh, related to that space and live nations role in that? Yeah. Um, I personally go back and forth. Um, it hasn't been a large discussion, getting virtual concerts to go virtual just because um in my opinion i don't really have a large interest of sitting on my couch watching you know like i was most excited to see green day this year that's who i was looking forward to um okay. guns and roses was going out um but i would rather be there in the concert yeah. seeing them live you know it there's 20,000 people around you that are just as pumped as you are. You so I don't that. know that virtual concerts, I think for the time being, um, I mean, I got into music because I find music healing. And even now, you know, continuing my little neighborhood walk, cause that's all I can do. Yeah. I just have to plug in music for a while and it totally calms me down. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's a big thing right now is all of these artists live streaming from their houses. Yeah. Um, but I think it seems that the 
focus is definitely getting people back into venues, getting people um, into that live space and feeling yes. that energy. And, uh, exactly. yeah, I, yeah, I'm 100%. Like yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, uh, you know, I think about my first Grateful Dead concert and how, how it changed me. It, it really, it really changed me. Um, because, uh, you know, you feel the love and the energy and, um, and the togetherness of, of 20,000 people in, in one place, you yes, know, all, exactly. all singing along, all dancing yeah, together, all smiling, hugging each other. Exactly. You can't, yeah, you can't replace that. You really can't replace that. And, you know, this past year, I, um, I was always a really social person in terms of going to, to live music um, with friends, right? And mm-hmm. um, this past year, I decided, I said, you know, I think one of my crutches along those lines was the fact that I always had to drink, right? And so I needed yeah. somebody to drive me around, <laughs> you know? And so yeah. I, I've recently, um, I've, uh, I've recently, I haven't like fully quit drinking, but I, I don't drink more than one per night anymore. Mm-hmm. And so this past year, I actually went to concerts by myself. I went to like five or six different concerts it's by myself. It's much more fun than you would think going it by really yourself. It was amazing, Cleo. I can't yeah. tell you how awesome it was. <laughs> I met, I made friends in the seats and, and people were like, yeah, it was just, um, and, and like you said, that energy, it just cannot be, it cannot yeah. be replicated. And obviously when we're, when we're all sitting around in, in, in a, a shelter in place or a quarantine, you know, we can look to music to, to help us from that, like you said, from that healing perspective. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. I, I was hoping you weren't going to say that, oh yeah, we're going to go all digital and virtual. There's going to be no live <laughs> events ever again. You know, <laughs> I'm no. glad you didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, no. I have heard, I know, um, or I read that um, some artists are looking to do like Zoom meet and greets Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. you can pay and they'll do like a private five minute Zoom, which I think is pretty sweet, regardless of a pandemic or not, having a private Zoom with your favorite artist. Right. Um, Well, I think that is genius of them. And that that idea probably stems from the um, Cameo thing. Have you heard of the Cameo thing? No. Yeah, so I was um I was in the hospital this past year for or, or, or last year for like five days, and one of my friends uh, sent me this link, and I was like, "What is this?" And I clicked on it, and it was the former Chicago Bears head coach Dave Wanstead. You've probably even never heard of him, but um he's a he's a sports coach, you know. And he was like, "Hey Brian, how's it going? This is Coach Wanstead. I just wanted to, I heard you were in the hospital and just wanted to hope you, I hope you're feeling better. I hope you're getting to feeling better and get back to your old self real soon. And oh I my was gosh. Like, I was like in tears. Yeah, I was in tears. I was like, I cannot <laughs> believe my friend put him up to this. What an <laughs> awesome guy, you know? And so I called him up and I was like, thank you so much, man. I was like, does he like how did you, does he work in your office or something yeah. now? Like what is, and he was like, nah, man, it's cameo. You never heard of cameo. And I was like, no, what is it? So it's basically like B level people that, that are B level, like celebrities, right. That you oh, would wow. know or that, and, and you can pick, there's like huge list and oh. they'll do these personal things for you. How cool. They'll send you a happy birthday or, or, That's or awesome. whatever. And I don't yeah. want to say B level as a, as a, as if I'm like, 
making fun of them. It's not no, that. It's like they're way, way higher celebrity, obviously, than any yeah. of than than me. You know, I'm yeah. a, I'm like I'm what F level maybe, but uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I, I'm not surprised to hear that that um, that some musicians are, are monetizing that from Zoom in that way. That's a that's a great yeah. idea. And well, on their we- part too, you know, they they get so much out of connecting with the audience, yeah, um, which is a huge part of why they go out. Um, so I think I know from the calls that we've been on, they are itching to go. I mean, we were on a call, Garth Brooks was our, um, guest speaker and he was like, if I'm the one standing at the door, passing out face masks, I will do it. I want to get back on the road because so much of their job is, you know, their fans and these people that are totally just vibing on what they've created and they've Mm -hmm. spent so much time creating, Mm -hmm. um, the reactions that they're getting out of people that are coming to see them are obviously fans. Um, so they're, they definitely want to get back on the road. So yeah, I don't think sure. concerts will be virtual. I think corporate events could benefit from being able to stream to larger groups of people. Right. Of um, course. But I think, I think we'll get back out there soon. I well, think so too. And I, I, on that, on that happy, on that happy, optimistic <laughs> note, I think we'll wrap it up and I, I really appreciate it. Um, I think that we'll get back out there soon as a, I yes. like that rallying cry there, Cleo. And, um, <laughs> And and thank you so much for taking the time, and, and thank you so much for the for the positivity and the energy, and just wish you the best of luck and um, in everything. Thanks. Right. Thanks to you. Good to talk to you. Thanks.